the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. Welcome to A Word for Life. A Word for Life is the radio ministry of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, located in Tacoma, Washington. And now, here's Pastor Michael Fields with A Word for Life. And so, and so, dear ones, real intercession takes place when the person that you are interceding for can do absolutely nothing at all to repay you and to repay you for what you are doing for them. And in no way it benefits you for what you are doing for them. But you're doing it for them anyway. Amen. There's no payoff to you other than the payoff of knowing that person is blessed. Amen. That's the payoff. They're blessed. This is why, this is why, this is why. Here we go now. This is why Jesus was able to stand there emphatically. Stand there flat-footed. Stand there and look at each and every person in the crowd that he was addressing on that day. Each and every person and look deep within each and every one of their eyes. And say, you are to pray for those that hate you. That's why. Because intercessory prayer ain't got nothing to do with you. Amen. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Amen. It has everything to do with you praying so God will bless somebody else. Yes, we pray for people that we like. We pray for people that we care about. We pray for people that we respect. Yeah. Jesus says, oh, okay, that's all good. But I also need you to pray for those that you hate or that hate yeah. you. You shouldn't be hating nobody to begin with. Yeah. You shouldn't be hating nobody because that leads me to another message. I, I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that alone, Lord, for another day. I, I see you. Say, go ahead, preacher. Go there. No, I'm going to leave that alone. Don't, don't, don't. Well, no. We are to pray for those that hate us. That's why you can do it. Because you interceding on behalf of somebody else ain't got nothing to do with you being blessed. Yeah. Notice the text. Notice the text. Verses 7. It says, and Jesus said unto them, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
Now, it is in Luke's account of this event that we're given in Luke, the seventh chapter, that we get a little bit clearer picture, a better picture of what really is taking place. Because as we look at Luke's account, we don't have to turn there right now, but as you look at Luke's account of it in Luke 7, we see the centurion initially asked the Jewish elders to go to Jesus for him and to represent him in his request for his servant. So the centurion asked the Jewish elders initially, go talk to Jesus for me. Go, go, go talk to Jesus for me and, and ask Jesus if he will come and heal my ser- the servant boy. And so the, the Jewish elders initially go and talk to, the, talk to Jesus on behalf of the centurion. But Jesus hears what, Jesus hears what they are asking him and he agrees to go with them. And so they all start making their way to the centurion's house. The elders come and say, Jesus, he is worthy for who you should do this for. He, he loves our nation. He's built us a temple. He's helped to build one of the temples. Jesus, this is a good guy. Come pray for him. Come, come heal his servant. Come heal this boy. Come do this for this man. And so Jesus agrees says, I will come. And so they all start to make their way toward the centurion's house. But on the way there... The centurion starts to have second thoughts about this whole thing. He starts to, to wonder and, and have some second thoughts about it. And he's there. And, and it's almost as if he could look out the window and see in the distance. I, I, see, I see them coming. I, I see the elders. I see them. And I see Jesus with them. I see Jesus coming with I see Jesus coming with them. I see Jesus coming. Then he starts looking around at his house. Looking around at all that he has looking around at all of the various things. Now, you have, to, you have to believe that this man did not live in a shack. You have to believe that he, as a Roman centurion, as a, as a Roman political figure, as a Roman military figure, you have to believe that he had some type of nice stature, some type of nice place to dwell in. But he's looking around at everything, and he's starting to wonder. And he has some of his friends there. He says, you know what? You guys, could you do me a favor? Go talk to Jesus for me. Well, 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 Centurion, he's on his way here. Jesus is on his way here. I said, I know, I know. I need you to go and tell him he doesn't have to come. He doesn't have to come any farther. He's come close enough. To go, go tell him to stop. Tell him that he doesn't need to come here. And the, the friends are like, okay, hold on a second. You just sent the Jewish elders to go get Jesus. You just sent them and he's agreed and they're coming. And now you want us to go and tell Jesus you ain't got to come. What about this? What about this boy? Who's going to help this kid? What are we, how is this going to change things? The Syrian looks at his friend and says, no, no, you don't understand. I'm still asking Jesus to do something for this child. All I am doing is letting Jesus know you don't have to physically come here to do something for this child. All I need you to do, Jesus, is wherever you are to speak a word concerning my situation and my situation will change. All we need is for the Lord to speak a word concerning that situation. He doesn't have to physically come and do in your presence and do something. All he has to do is speak a word concerning it. And so he's saying, I'm I'm still asking the Lord to do something. I'm just trying to let him know he doesn't have to come all the way here to do it. As Jesus and the group that is with him draw close to the centurion's home, as I said, possibly close enough for the centurion to see them in the distance, the centurion now sends a second group of people that is made up of his friends 
to Jesus in order to tell him that he doesn't have to come any farther. And he does that for two reasons. The first one is he he does not feel worthy for Jesus to come to him himself. So the centurion didn't feel worthy enough to even go to Jesus himself. And so he doesn't feel worthy to go to Jesus himself. And he doesn't feel worthy to have Jesus come under his roof. Now, we need to be clear, or I need to be clear about what's taking place here. So I'm communicating it clearly to everybody. Dear ones, this is a Roman centurion. This is a Roman military, a Roman military leader. This is a person who has prominence and status in Roman society. And he is telling an itinerant preacher slash carpenter that's Jewish... You ain't got to come to my house because I'm not even worthy of you to come here. And so you see the measure and level of humility that this Roman centurion has. But you also see the level of honor and reverence and respect that he realizes that Jesus is deserving to receive. He realizes, one, the level of humility that he has, but also the level of respect and honor that Jesus is deserving. And so, dear ones, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 29, the 29th Psalm, that we are to give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto him. Give unto God the glory that is due unto him. Now, are we giving God the glory that is due unto him? Are we giving God the praise that is due unto him? Are we giving God the respect that is due unto him? We talk about people giving people their due. Yes, those of you that grew up in the generation that I did, when your parents told you give the person the respect that they're due, that meant if the person walked in the room, you stood up. If the person, if the person you know, walked towards you and stuck out their hand, you stuck out their hand and shook their hand. You, gave pe- you looked people in the eye when you spoke to them. You gave them the respect that was due unto them. There was, why is it that we are able to do this for people and we fail miserably when we come to doing this for God? Amen. Give God the glory that is due unto him. He is due your best efforts. He is due your best service. He is due your best commitment. He is due your best devotion. He is due your best worship. He is due your best praise. That's what he's due. Give him what's due him. He's looking around. He sees everything. This isn't good enough. It's not good enough. Feel my help. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's not good enough. Not good enough. I, 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 I. We'll, 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 we'll do, we'll, we got, we have, we have better stuff. No, it's still not good enough. It's not good enough for Jesus. And, and, and the wonderful thing about it, the wonderful thing about it is, the Lord says, I, I, I understand. I understand that the very best that you have is still not good enough. But what I'm asking for is not the best earthly. I'm asking for the best personally. Are you giving me your personal best? Because that will be enough. That will be sufficient. The cattle on a thousand hills are not enough to offer me a pure and honest sacrifice. I'm not asking for the cattle on a thousand hills. If I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't praise you enough. I'm not asking for a thousand tongues. I'm asking you to use that one tongue you got and use it sincerely. Use it committedly. Use it devotedly. The one tongue. 
We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able, after you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on the station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax deductible, and they can be sent to the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message. But the second reason, the sec- let me move on to the second reason. The second reason that the centurion says this to Jesus is because he realizes and he recognizes that Jesus did not have to actually physically be there in order to affect a positive change in this situation. And that all he had to do was speak the word and address his situation in a word. And if he did that, that his servant would be healed. And the reason why he says this to Jesus is because he also was a man who was set under authority. He said, the text tells us, he says, I am a man also set under authority. And so being a Roman centurion, he understood how power and authority worked. He understood how power and authority worked. That's why he said, I say this to one servant, and he does it. I say this to one soldier, and he does it. I say this over here, and it happens. He understood how power and authority worked. And so he realized, if I on an earthly level can have this happen, I have this ability to have this power and authority on an earthly level... There's no, on a spiritual level, and more than just a spiritual level, on a level overall level. Lord, there's no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to the power and the authority that you have and what you are able to do. That's why with the Lord, dear ones, all things really are possible. Now, it is in seeing what the centurion says here and he does here that we are given a picture of what confident faith looks like. It is in seeing what the centurion does and in seeing how he responds that we are given a picture of what confident faith looks like. Dear ones, confident faith is faith that is objectively based and not simply subjectively reasoned. Confident faith is faith that is objectively based and it is not faith that is simply subjectively reasoned. Amen. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let me, let me break this thing down. Okay. Say, for instance, Sister Ann and I, we're, we're, we, we, we want to move some stuff. We want to get rid of some stuff. So we get a moving van. We pack it full of all the stuff we want to move. We get it packed full. 
and were driving the moving van and were driving across the Narrows Bridge. And as we're driving, the van, the van is packed, packed full of stuff. And we're driving across the Narrows Bridge. And as we cross the Narrows Bridge, Sister Anne starts to get a little anxious, a little nervous about our ability to successfully get across the bridge. Driving the moving van with all of our stuff. She starts to get a little anxious, a little nervous about it because she sees all the other cars on the bridge with us at the same time. There may be even a few other moving vans on the bridge with us at the same time. Even bigger vans than the van we got. And so Sister Anne starts to get a little anxious, a little nervous, says, you know, you know Pastor Fields, I, I'm not quite sure, because that's what she calls me at home, Pastor Fields. And <laughs> Pastor Fields, I'm not sure we can get across the bridge successfully. Pastor Fields, I'm not sure we're going to make it. Pastor Fields, we, we need to stop and turn around, because we will not make it across the bridge successfully. And now for me to help Sister Anne with her faith, in a subjective way would be for me to say things to Sister Anne like, Sister Anne, just believe we can do this. Just have faith that we can do this. Go, 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 go. <laughs> Come on, go, 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 go. You know, faster, faster, faster. Because what I'm trying to do is, I'm, here we go now, I'm trying to encourage her to have faith on her own. By herself. If you believe hard enough and trust long enough and have enough and just muster enough confidence, you can do this. That's subjective reasoning as the basis of your faith. I heard a song. This is why the Holy Ghost impressed upon me. He, he, he said, he, I was at home getting ready for, for church and there was a song that came out. It's a real song, popular song just that came out. And the song was, what, what the name of the song was, I'm not going to wave my flag. I'm not going to wave my flag. Like, like I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to wave my flag. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do this. And so basically, it's just you saying, I am not going to do this. You can't make me do this. The problem is, dear ones, with subjective reasoning as the basis of your faith, that works real good until life hits you. Well... That works real good until life hits you. Because life will bring something up against you that it will cause you to question your ability to even survive it. Much less get through it. Subjective reasoning as the basis of your faith is good if you're dealing with a headache or dealing with a toothache. That's good. I can get through this. I can get through this. I can make it. Subjective reasoning as the basis of your faith will fail you when the doctor's report comes back and says you got cancer. Or when, or, or when, you're, when, you're, when, when things are going well on your job and things are going good and everything is fine and, and you get it promoted. Subjective reasoning. Oh, I thank God for this job. God is blessing. Subjective reasoning as the basis of your faith will fail you when one of your children is sick and you get a pink slip saying you're fired. Come on, Pastor. Subjective reasoning for your faith will fail you when life hits you. When life punches you in the face and lets you know, do you in and of yourself have the ability to get through this? Do you by yourself and encouraging yourself in yourself think that you can make it through this on your own? 
That's subjective reasoning for your faith. And dear ones, that is what people are preaching and teaching and telling everybody, just believe, just believe, just believe. That will fail you Amen. when life hits you. Yes, sir. Everybody turn in your Bibles to the book of John, the 16th chapter. I want to just show you one verse of scripture. John, the 16th chapter. It's the last thing that Jesus says before he enters into his high priestly prayer for the church. But John, the 16th chapter, Jesus says something critical for us to take note of. Because in that 16th chapter, that 33rd verse, he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Here we go. In the world you shall have tribulation. In the world you shall have tribulation but be of good courage because I have overcome the world not you have overcome the world I have overcome the world Jesus says I have overcome it for you and so your ability to make it through the tribulations and tests and trials that come against you is not you believing you can do it. It's you believing I've done it for you and you putting your trust in me. Yeah. Amen. That's the key. That's the key. Not you thinking you can do it. You realizing Jesus has done it for me. Amen. And all I got to do is trust him. And he will get me through this. He will bring me out. He will deliver me. He will give me the victory. He will open the doors. He will bring my healing. He will bring my deliverance. He will make a way for me. He will do it. Because he overcame the world for me. Confident faith is faith that realizes Jesus has done it all for me. I can have confidence in that. I know what he's done. And I know who he is. And I can have confidence in that. And so, so dear ones, for me to encourage Sister Anne in a subjective way, as I said, it's simply a, you know, we can do this, come on, we can make it, come on. That's subjective reasoning. But for me to encourage Sister Anne in an objective way, it would be for me to say things to her as we're crossing the bridge. We're, We're still in the van crossing the bridge. And I want to encourage her to have faith that we can make it. To do that in an objective way would be for me to say, Sister Anne, take note of all of the steel girders that are just running across this bridge. Take note, the, the, the tensile strength and all those girders just running back and forth across the bridge. And, and by the way, Sister Anne, take note of all of the steel pillars that are going up and down, up and down the bridge, all the way from the very front of it, all the way spanning the very bridge to the very end of it. Take note of all the steel pillars and the steel girders and the steel cables. But not only that, Sister Anne, Sister Anne, look, look, just look out the window and look down. Do you see the hundreds to thousands of pounds of cement that are used to make up the roadway for this bridge? And so based upon the objective evidence that you are able to visibly recognize and clearly see, I can assure you we will make it across this bridge. The psalmist says, here we go now. You say, well, Pastor Fields, that's all well and good. What's that got to do with my trust in God? The psalmist says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament firmament shows his handiwork. The psalmist goes on to say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, 
And so the psalmist gives us three things that you need to do to objectively encourage yourself to have confident faith in the Lord. He says you got to be willing to do three things. Look up, look around, and look back. Look up and see the stars, the sun, the moon. See all that God has created. Lord have mercy. Look around and see the beauty of the, the hills and the mountains. The, the, in, the, in the midst of summer, you're able to have snow-capped mountains. Lord have mercy. And, and, and the beauty of the ocean and the waves and all that is around you. Look around you and see all the majesty that God has created. And then look back. Look back over your own life. Look back on how God delivered you. He healed you. He kept you. He provided for you. He made a way for you. And he did all of this for you. Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's Word in order to find a word for life. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.